Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. I am so excited to start a series with you tonight, um, a series that will be another four-part series, just another four-part series. So this series is called Cultivating Your Calling, Cultivating Your Calling. And so here's what I want you to know. You know, we just finished a four-part series where I walked you through what I call my brain's framework, really so you can get clear on your purpose, your gift, the thing that God created you to do in this world. So it's one thing for you to know it. It's another thing for you to cultivate it. And you need both, right? So cultivate means to prepare, to foster the growth of, to improve by labor or study, according to Webster. And so see, when you are born, God gives you DNA, distinct natural ability. So you've got to get clear on what it is, who it's for, you know, all the stuff we talked about in the Brains Framework four-part series. If you miss any of it, go back and watch the replay. But I want you to get this. Once you get clear on it, that's not enough. You've then got to cultivate it and grow it. One of my favorite examples of this is Miss Beyonce. Now, listen, the thing I love about Miss Beyonce is <laughs> that you guys heard me talk about this during the Breeze Framework, you know, the whole Sasha Fierce conversation and her coming to a time in her career where in order for her to grow her gift, she had to be willing to go solo, which was scary because she had been on stage with two, three other women in her career. But even after she went solo, won a Grammy from her solo album. Oh, she didn't stop there. You know, I can go on and on about what did she do after that? Now, I'm going to say this out of order. Probably remember you guys, she did the Lemonade album that dropped in the middle of the night. Then she had two babies and then did, did Coachella right after. Who does that? Then that wasn't enough. She then did Black is King. And, and I can go on and on. The point I'm making is she's committed to grow. She doesn't stay at one level. See, God never expected us to live on one level and stay there. There's always more for us to do, but you've got to be willing to cultivate your gift. Listen, there even came a time in my own business, in my own career, where I had to be willing to cultivate. And so I want to walk you through in this four-part series what you need to do to definitely cultivate your gift, right? And so here we go. I'm going to go right in, right? So listen. Here's our foundation of Bible verse for the week. Oh, first of all, let me tell you what our part one is, is our title is <laughs> before I go into the Bible verse. So again, the series is called cultivating your calling. So part one is why do you want it? Why do you even want to cultivate your calling? Why do you want to get clear in your calling? Why are you doing this work? Why are you even here listening to me and joining me? So Proverbs 21 Two says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So I'm checking your motives, your big why. Listen, motives is the underlying reason for us doing everything we do. And so I have so much to talk about in this subject because I, you know, as I do this work, the thing that I think is so interesting, uh, I was <laughs> listening to a sermon uh, last night. <laughs> I'm laughing at people's comments. I hear you, Erica. She said, I'm here, but, but can't, but, but can chat, but I'm all ears. She can't chat, but she's all ears. I know that's right. So listen, I want you guys to really get this. It's so imperative. See, God intends for you to make money in this world, but it's about profit. It's about the gain you give. But are you focused on making money because you want to, you want to buy things. You want to, you know, amass wealth. And what, in other words, you're like, oh, I want to get that Louis Vuitton. I want to buy that new house. And there's nothing wrong with wanting those things, but that should not be your motive. Those things are gifts because you've been putting in the work. See, profit means gain. How are you gaining the people that need you? We talked about this last week. And so I want you to check your motive. Are you doing it to be seen? Are you doing it to 
get your name on list to have this this perception this this approval from others are you doing it to glorify God because ultimately your motives are going to make a difference listen God never says that the journey to live your purpose focused life is going to be easy but if you don't check your motive when the times get tough you are out Oh, it is going to get tough. Listen, I, I say this Bible verse all the time. My clients, those of you that are here, you know, you probably can say the Bible verse I'm getting ready to say. John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. The second part is what we always remember. But I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. This is Jesus talking, right? John 10, 10. And listen, you know why the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy? Because when you do the thing that you were born to do in this world, the, the world gains. That's how we bring kingdom down to earth. That's why God gifted each of us. And yes, you are here on assignment. You too have a calling. So if you're going to grow it and you're going to gain for the kingdom, you got to check your motives, right? See, when you check your motives, there are three reasons this is so important. I have so much I'm going to give you guys tonight. So you should, hopefully you have a pen. Number one, it keeps you focused. Now, what I mean by that is I see so many highly skilled professionals that start businesses that start in this area and then they think it's not working. So they move over here and they start doing something altogether different. It's like, no, stop shifting. Like I remember I had a client that was a career coach and all of a sudden she stopped being a career coach. She started coaching entrepreneurs. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you helping people in their career? Or are you helping people start a business? Two totally different things, by the way. Now, there are times that I'm called to go into corporations to teach, but I still teach on purpose and get you in alignment with a gift that you are, which is my gift. I'm not doing anything other than that. I can't help you figure out what your career next career move is, nor am I going to try because I'm clear on my assignment and I'm always growing me. My question is, how are you growing you and staying focused on the land that God created you to dwell in? That's why the brain's framework that I walked you through the last series is so important. Because if you're not clearing your land, you'll keep shifting with the wind. And you can't reap where you don't sow. And if you keep sowing in different fields, nothing grows. So it keeps you focused. The second reason it keeps you from shifting. <laughs> so you know clearly what you are meant to do in your business and you don't do anything outside of that. And then you don't shift. You know, there's an organization that keeps calling me to speak because they, they love me as a speaker. And she said, well, can you come and talk about nonprofit management? No. Mm -mm. Can I? Yes. Should I? No. Because that's not the lane that God created me to dwell in. Purpose, yes. She asked me to speak on one other thing another time, too. But you've got to be clear on compromising. Because, you, because when you shift, what happens is you're being irresponsible with your gift why do you want it? And why are you doing it? What's your big why? What's your motive? My motive to go and do that would be what? Because I love to speak, which I do. But then it, it makes it about me instead of realizing that when I go and speak and make it about me, the people in that room do not get the transformation they need because they need more than that 45, 60 minute, 30 minute speech from me. And if I don't teach and can't move them for, forward after that 45 minute, 30 for those that want to move it forward, then I'm being irresponsible. So it's not about can I's, should. The third reason is when you are cultivating your gift, it allows you to stand out. Now, the, my favorite example of this is David. Now, I've talked about David here in FPP uh, Live a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to go all of David's story, go back and watch some of my replays from the top of the year. But when, when Saul, when God was like, Saul cannot be king. No, mm -mm, nope, he can't be king, right? God sent Samuel looking for a king and he sent him to David's house. And when Samuel got to David's house, mind you, David has seven brothers. David is the eighth child. Samuel was looking at everybody else because everybody else was tall and good looking. And yes, that should be the king. And here's what what God said to Samuel, this is first Samuel 16, seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Your heart is where your motives stem from. There's so many verse after verse after verse in the Bible that talks about the heart. Now, I even dug into my um, concordance in this Bible verse. I'm going to read it to you. Right. Again, this is uh, Samuel 6. Excuse me. Samuel 16, 7. Okay. I'm going to read the whole section. So this section is 16, 6 through 7 in my concordance. Okay. My Tony Evans study Bible. <laughs> okay. So it says, as soon as he looked at Jesse's sons, this is Samuel. Again, Samuel went to Jesse. Jesse is David's father because God sent him there. God said it's one of Jesse's sons. Okay. So as soon as he looked at Jesse's sons, Samuel began sizing them up. He may have recalled that when Saul was identified as king of Israel, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Remember, God says Saul isn't him, right? Isn't to be the king. It certainly seems Samuel had physical char characteristics in mind when he just looked at Jesse's firstborn, Elab, and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here. So he was looking at what he could see. How many of you guys look at what you can see? So if they look successful, look, they could be successful on paper, but they could be Facebook famous and broke. Or so many of you are so concerned with how many followers you have instead of how much transformation you make. God's not looking at what it appears like. Look, God's not even looking at your bank account. He's not looking at your resume. He's not looking at your bio. He's checking your heart. And he's, listen, your heart is where your faith gets stirred up to. Come on, somebody. But as Samuel would find out, God's selection wasn't based on physical appearance or statue. People tend to see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. See, God knows your motives. He knows your big why. And so I want you to really check your why. See, it was David. God chose David because here's the thing that I absolutely love about David. I'm going to quote this. I heard this in a sermon. Listen, I get some of my greatest lessons in sermons, y'all. Can you learn to tend the to the sheep with the king's anointing, but with the shepherd's responsibility. So that day, David got anointed to be king, but guess what? It wasn't time for him to go sit on his throne. He got sent back into the field to tend to the shepherds. Tell me that's not a lesson in motive of your why. I know for me, I've been doing this 28 years. Listen, for 17 years, I was broke and broken in my business, making no money. But I was clear on my why. I was clear that I'm called by God. It wasn't until I invested to cultivate it that made the difference. And it was when I started that, let me tell you, I've been cultivating ever since that was in 2011 when I hired my first coach and my life has not been the same, has it? Because I'm clear that when you cultivate your gift, it makes a difference, but you got to know your why, like, why are you doing it? Why do you want it? Why are you starting your business? Again, are you doing it because you want to be seen because you want to be famous because you want influence? Are you doing it because you want income? Now, let's be honest. I get that you want to eat. Yeah, we all need to eat. But the thing I, that I've learned, even in my own journey, listen, I remember in 2007 when I was getting ready to go get married. Now, I know I was going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it now. Now, this is before I had my big epiphany in 2010 and met my coach a year later and I started making money. I was making no money in my business. $13,000 was on a good year, those of you that have heard my story, Okay. So I was, remember, I was getting ready to go get married. I got married January 5th, 2007. So this was in December. This was the week of Christmas. I had no money in my business bank account. And I said to my then assistant, we, let's pray, and I got to just trust God. See, I know why I was doing this. I'm clear that God is the real CEO of my business. That's so why I had to give it to God. And so in that moment, in 2006, when she and I prayed, and we needed $5,000, I'll never forget to cover all our bills for that next month. That's how little I made, how little I spent even in my business. I went and got married, didn't worry about it. We prayed on December 26th. I, I will always remember this. But I said, I'm not shutting the business down. I need 5000 because I knew we had money coming in later in January. I needed 5000 just to hold us until that, that point where I knew we had a bunch of different things coming in. I said, I'm clear why I'm doing this. I have to trust God that he will supply. And I went and got married. We prayed. I left. I went and got married. Didn't worry about it. When I got home on whatever date I got home, I don't remember. Okay. okay again, we prayed December 26. So remember back then I had a nonprofit and a for-profit. I no longer have a nonprofit. Okay. So when I got home, I had a check in the mail for $5,000. It came out of nowhere. So I looked at the person's name on the check. It was written to my nonprofit, which is where we needed the money, right? I looked at the person's name on the check and I was like, 
So I called. Well, first of all, I looked in our database to see if she was in our database. Nowhere. I emailed our board members. No board member knew who she was. I called the number on the check. I said, hi, am I speak to so-and-so? I'm not going to say people's names. And the person said, who is this? And I said, hi, you know, my name is Nicole Roberts Jones. <laughs> I had just become Jones. Nicole Roberts Jones. And she wrote a check and I wanted to thank her. And the person said, well, so-and-so, I almost said her, almost said her name, died on December 26, y'all. She wrote the check the day she died. See, God does things in ways that you know like you know there could be nobody else but God. I'm sharing that with you because I was clear on my why. And so there will be times when you will want to quit, when it won't be easy. The question is, why do you want it? Are you trying to be influential and you want to be seen? Are you doing it because you know that this is what you're called to do by God? Now, I know that I was having such a hard time because enemy was trying to deter me. And the one thing I wasn't ever going to do is lose my calling. It took me a long time to learn that I needed to hire a coach. That's why I'm so passionate about holding a space for you all and making it economical for you. <laughs> I'm being honest. It took me too long and I was being too cheap for too long. Let me keep it all the way real. But was, it was when I was willing to risk it all to gain it all that I stopped looking at my bank account. But I started looking at God that money started coming in. God has been my supply ever since I've had more than enough. Like that woman with the, with the, uh, with the oil. I've told that story in this in, among us as well. So as we start this conversation, I'm really looking at why do you want it? I want to ask you seven questions to evaluate your why. And I really want you to see where you are. I want you to really evaluate your why. So here's the first question. If no one ever knows what you're doing, giving, serving, sacrificing, would you still do it? If no one else ever saw it or acknowledged it or knew your why, would you still do it? Because God knows your why. Second question, if there was no viable payoff, if you couldn't see any income coming, would you still do it? Now listen, I learned, to be honest with you, in my own journey of having a six-figure business and growing by leaps, I'm looking, I'm working on my million dollars now, right? <laughs> I'm not focused on money, though. See, more money, more profit. Or, excuse me, more money, more purpose is what I should have said. More money, more purpose, more profit, too. But see, the more money I make, the more purpose I give to the world because I can then gain for all those I serve. See, when I make more money, I can serve more people. So for me, for me it's not making more money as in, oh, I want to have all this money in my bank account. And yeah, I want to do some things. I'm not going to lie to you. But my focus is on serving. And when I serve, the money comes. So if there's no viable payoff, would you do it? Would you joyfully take a lesser position if God asked you to, like David? Could you be anointed to be king? God gives you a vision of who you're meant to be, but it doesn't happen at that moment. Habakkuk uh, 2.1, the first part, people, everybody knows the first part. Let me look it up real quick. Everybody knows the first part, sorry, <laughs> of Habakkuk 2. One, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, right? But I want to read the second part appropriately because we often overlook the second part of that series. Okay. So let me look at it up quickly. Let's see how well I know my Bible. Well, I'll turn right to the back. Come on, Lord. Maybe that's God, not me. Anyway, hold on. Let me go to one. <laughs> so this is one, uh, uh, two, one, excuse me, two, two. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. We know that part, right? For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. You know what I'm saying that? Because at the end, it will speak. In other words, you may not see it right now. It takes time to get to it. I think so many people quit before they get to it. So important, y'all. Though it tarries, wait for it. Actually, it's two, two through three. Media, I, wrote, I said the wrong verse. Because, look, though it tarries, wait for it. So the question is, are you willing to wait for it? Are you looking for instant overnight money? Listen, there's no such thing as hustle in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. There's no such thing as hustle in the kingdom. Will you work hard? Yes. But hustle has, in its definition, pimp and prostitute. Ain't, ain't nobody hustling God. So number three, would you joyfully take a lesser position if God asked you to? So for me, when I, many of you know my story of working in the entertainment industry. And literally, 
when God told me to leave to do this in 1993, I, I didn't know how I was going to make money doing this. But the one thing I was clear on that God was calling me to do this new thing. And so, yes, it took a lesser position, but eventually what looked like it was less ended up being more. I make more now than I did in entertainment. But I couldn't see when I was making high five figures in my 20s how God could do more. I couldn't see it. Number four, are you doing what you do for the praise of others? Are you looking for perception? Are you looking for others to, to highly regard you? You know, I always want God to be magnified. If you see, ever see me do anything, I'll say things like, thank God. I appreciate you and all praise to God. Right? And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to say a little term, but what I am trying to say is who I be is because I'm clear that I follow God's lead. But the question is, are you giving God his props? As we said back in the day, my age of myself, are you giving God his props for how he's created you? That he's lighting your path, that he's giving you insight and direction? Are you trying to take all the credit? Number five, if others misunderstood or criticized your actions, would you stop? Woo, baby, let me tell you how many people talked about me for leaving entertainment. Shoot, I thought I was crazy for leaving entertainment too. <laughs> and, and I'm clear, I see how God is using even my entertainment experience. I've been having full circle moments. Listen, I didn't know that Steve Harvey was to come, that I was going to have the opportunity to work with Steve Harvey. I didn't know that that was coming when I quit. But God, the Bible verse says all things work together for the good. Not some things, not a few things, but all things. But God's not going to show you the middle. He might show you the end. That's the vision, though it tarry. Though it may not look like you think it's going to look. Why do you want it? Since the middle passage that people quit. Because it doesn't ever look like you think it's going to look in the middle. Or you're going to have to make some decisions that are uncomfortable. You're going to have to take some huge risks if you want to be a business. If, if you don't want to take risks and you don't want to be uncomfortable, then you do not need to be an entrepreneur. Matter of fact, you don't need to be a Christian for that matter. Ooh, I said it. Because there are times when being a Christian is uncomfortable. Because there are things that you have no business doing and no things say, business saying or being around that you need to be willing to do what you need to do to glorify God. I remember when I used to work in comedy, and since, since a lot of you guys saw me on Fat Tuesdays, I get out myself on the documentary, right? <laughs> and I remember I used to tell those one of those comedians, listen, you have the filthy mouth, and that ain't even who you are. You're doing something that you see somebody else do. So you'll never be the, 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 the insight that shows the secret sauce that could be your funny. You'll never find it because you're busy trying to be somebody else's funny, and raunchy doesn't necessarily mean funny. If that's who you are, then great, but everybody isn't raunchy. Oh, I was not popular sometimes back when I worked in management in, with the comedians. Oh, I wasn't popular, but I was always kept it real. Because guess what? I'm a God representative everywhere I go. There are things I wouldn't say or do in those comedy clubs because that's not who I be. Listen, every day you wake up, there is a brand called you. And everywhere you go, you got to understand that that goes with you. And I always wanted to make God proud. Every night. Well, am I perfect? No. Oh, I made some mistakes. Trust and believe. There's some things I've done and said in the past that have not been the greatest. There probably be some things I do in the future that aren't the greatest. But what I am is a person that's one to follow my own sword to say, ooh, girl, my bad. I'm sorry. My mistake. So again, if, if others misunderstand you or criticize your actions, would you stop doing the thing you know you're called to do? Number six, if the people you're serving never showed you gratitude. Look at Jesus. So many people back then talked about him, ridiculed him, but yet he died for us. Tell me that God doesn't make sacrifices for us. He sacrificed his first son. And you won't sacrifice a couple hours a week to work on your business. Or you won't sacrifice your, your paycheck to invest and growing your business. I'm not saying quit your job. Don't be stupid now, right? God never says that. God wants you to have wise faith, <laughs> strategic faith. But you're going to have to do this. And can I tell you, I started, I took my fingernails off. I have not put them on since back in 2000. And I don't even I know. I was in the 90s. Yeah, that was like in 1995. I took my nails off. They have not been back. 
I've been wearing my natural nails ever since. So I started saying, what expenses can I cut? That's when I started wearing my hair natural. I went back to the perm after I started making money, but then I went back to the natural. <laughs> but I started thinking, how can I let go of things so I can stay true and spend my money on my business, on my purpose to grow in the kingdom? See, I was going to pay for a coach over my perm. Come on, somebody. Oh, I still look on brand, trust and believe. But you've got to really look at if, if no one ever shows you gratitude, if no one ever acknowledges you, would you continue to do what you do? And then number seven, do you judge your success or failure based on other people? This is a really hard lesson because sometimes what God is calling you to do, it may be different than anybody else out there. You know, even if I use Fat Tuesday for an example, I remember, and those of you that haven't seen the documentary, I'm out of myself, but I remember when um, Guy, and at the time I worked for his, in his man, on his management team, worked for his management company, and I remember Guy and I, we met each other on a show, we both worked in production on a TV show, and he and I became instant friends, we used to talk all the time, right, and then I moved, so funny, I never forget when I left that production company, I worked in casting at that production company, went to the management team, and he, and he walked in office, he's like, what are you doing here, and I'm like, oh, I work on this team now, he's like, oh my god, I'm a client here, we were all screaming, because, you know, we've been friends, and Guy's like my brother from another mother, I'm sharing that with you, because I remember when he wanted to do this thing, this comedy room, because people were not going to South Central LA anymore to see comedians. He was doing something outside of the norm. I remember the first few months when, when the comedy store gave us the smallest room at the comedy store, they didn't think we could fill it up. Shoot, we didn't think we could fill it up. <laughs> Every week he had to look for talent before people even knew what this room was. So all of it was a risk. When I look at how much it grew, when I had to leave at some point because I was in grad school and I couldn't hang out late and get up early to go to class, right? <laughs> But I look at how much it grew over time. It's because he took the risk in the beginning. It's because people talked about him and looked at him like he was crazy. And when you look at the Fat Tuesday documentary, I want you guys to get this, and I'm giving you your props, guy, I'm so proud of you, is that he not only hung in there when the going got tough, but look at all the careers that got started because he was willing to risk it all to gain it all. You've got to understand that there are times when God's going to call you to do something that's outside of the norm, that's outside of what you might think is possible. But see, you're looking at what you can see. God is looking past what we all can see, right? So with that, I want to end with this. And, and as you guys know, this is part one of a two-part series. I'll tell you about this, how you get the second part in a second. But listen, Matthew 6, 1 through 18, a little long, but this is good. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as a hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hip, Hypocrites, I don't know why I can't say hypocrites tonight, <laughs> for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. In other words, oh, God has so much more reward for us, but it takes you getting clear on your motive and looking at why you do it, not for recognition from others, not to be seen, not because you're trying to make money. Listen, there's a difference between selling and serving. I talked about this last week. Are you doing this to serve? Now, of course, you got to make money because you got to live. Of course. But when you're doing something because you're trying to sell instead of because you see that the person needs it and then you make an invitation for purchase because you see how you are the answer to their need difference. We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break and we'll be back for more. Have you realized that you've been building someone else's billion dollar brand and there's a billion dollar brand in you. And I wonder if you even know that you can begin your business now without letting go of your paycheck. And see, that's why I wrote my free ebook alongside my nine to five. 
So go grab your copy at alongsidemy9to5.com. By the way, that's the number nine and the number five. <laughs> Alongsidemy9to5.com. See, most people tell you to quit to begin your business. And what I know for sure is that's setting you up for failure. Why? Because even if you've saved a year's salary, you've got to spend money to make money. And so the wisest choice you can ever make is to begin to build your business alongside that 9 to 5. Listen, I created the ebook alongside my 9to5.com to give you all the insight you need to start and plan your business with grace and ease. Because who wants to hustle? See, I want to teach you how to make money while you sleep. Yes, you can generate income while you're sitting in your office, even while you're conducting a meeting. See, you can be doing all of that and your business can and will generate revenue for you. So go grab your copy alongside your 9to5.com. Why do you want it? Why do you want it? Our foundational Bible verse for this conversation is Proverbs 21.2 that says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Again, it says every way of a man and a woman, by the way, (laughs) is right in his or her own eyes. But the Lord weighs a heart. So I really want us to take a deep look this week as we talk part one of this series of your big why, your motive. You know, your why is connected to your want, by the way. So that's why I call this why do you want it? Y'all get that? So to look at why you want it, your motives behind starting your business is really to check your heart. The Bible, well, in the Bible, I should say, the heart is considered the command and control center of life. Now, I'm going to walk you through in this part two of the conversation, the three reasons knowing this and getting clear on why and how it's connected to your heart are important. Okay, so the first one is really your heart directs your life. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the spring of life. What says springs of life? See, God calls you to keep your heart and to guard your heart. And here's why. The whole direction of your life will spring from where your heart is. So you always want to, it's so funny, when I was writing this series, I kept thinking to myself, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I know I said that on another series, but this really is huge because oftentimes we don't realize that your thoughts start in your heart first. It's like your heart feels it, your mind thinks it, and then your mouth says it. And then your life is it. Oh, that's kind of good. That just came, right? So you've really got to stop and look at what direction are you going in? Now, when I talk about the next two, it's going to make sense. And they're all going to, they all blend together, by the way. The second is a heart. Really, it it really defines how you look at things and it easily is overlooked. So Paul talks about this in Romans 7, 15, when he says, I do not understand myself. What I want to do is, and being is one thing. What I actually do is something else. I'm a mystery to myself, a mass of contradictions. I'm going to say that one more time. It's good, right? I forgot what version this is. I was looking up so many Bible verses to prepare for today. I do not understand myself. What I want to do and, and be is one thing. What I actually do is something else. I'm a mystery to myself, a mass of contradictions. So there's so many things that bump up against our why. Some of those things are, one, perception. And sometimes what you want to do and be and what ends up happening could be two totally different things, depending on why you're doing it. Are you doing it to be seen? Are you doing it because you want to raise? Are you doing it to glorify God ultimately? And see, I think we don't stop long enough to really look at our motives. Or sometimes you might, I know this has happened and maybe you guys, this has never happened to, so I'm out myself. When I've started a new job or even I remember starting high school, let me just go back to high school. I remember when I started high school, I wanted to get grown. And so everybody that knows me from eighth grade, uh, you know, before that calls me Nikki, right? My family, all my elementary school friends, by the way, my elementary school went through eighth grade. So so I didn't really switch to junior high. (laughs) So all my elementary schools know me as Nikki. If you know me as Nicole, I know you met me in the ninth grade. And I'm saying that because I tried to get brand new and I tried to shift who I was. I was going to be this new mature Nicole and be different and not be silly and not be this bossy talkative Nicole. Well, yeah, I couldn't shift that. That's who I be. But ultimately, you've got to look at when you get to this season of life and you're shifting things about you. Why? Now, let me talk about number three and then I'm going to blend these three together. Number three, the heart can be deceptive. Now, Matthew 
1519 says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Do you know why? See, things happen to you in life that make you bitter. And I believe that when we have these negative emotions, we're not checking our heart to see where it's coming from. Like when somebody does you wrong and you want to get them back, that's checking your motives of your heart. What do you want to get them back for? When God, ultimately, there's a Bible verse and I can't think of it right now, that talks about the fact that God will get people back better than you ever could. Oh, I have an example for that now that I just, that I can't think of that Bible verse. I know you know it, Yolanda. So I hate I do this to you every time, but girl, look it up. You probably already know what Bible verse it is. And please interrupt me if you do. So listen, I remember when I moved from, so I moved a couple of times. So when I met my husband, he had moved to Milwaukee. So I moved to Milwaukee to plan our wedding. And then as soon as I found a venue, contracted everything, he got moved to Boston. I'm like, look, we eloping. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> right? So I'm sharing that with you because I was only in Milwaukee for six months. And so I thought, okay, let me um, get a job so I, so I can get to know people here. Now, mind you, I had my business then. And God said, get, get a, a part-time job. Okay. You know, and the goal was just for me to get to know people just because I thought we were going to live in Milwaukee. And I thought, okay, I should get to know people in my neighborhood. Right. Instead of being in the house. Cause I worked from home then too, just like I do now. Right. So nothing shifted for me in COVID except for, uh, how to, how to work with more of you because I don't do as much things in person right now. Right. So I'm sharing that with you because as I was looking for a job, I didn't find a, a, a part-time job. I only found a full-time job and I took the job, but I already knew when I took the job, I wasn't supposed to take it because it was in conflict to me growing my business. Okay. Now this is, you know, before I had the epiphany and, and started growing my business, this was back. And anyway, that doesn't matter. The point is this, <laughs> when I took that full-time job, my boss was such a, a, a witch that, that starts with a B. <laughs> she was so not nice. She was evil to me. I mean, evil. I mean, literally when I got there, the first week I got there, I wrote a grant, grant got funded. It had been a grant they had been trying to get for years. Now I can produce any program. I don't care if it's a nonprofit, for-profit, I can always produce and I can begin to develop programming around it. So not only was I able to articulate the program, I got the grant. So the board was totting on me and all excited. And let me tell you what this woman started to say. Oh, she didn't write that grant. I wrote it. And I found out from another board member. So I'm sharing that with you because everything she did, she tried to take up everything I did, excuse me. She tried to act like it was her. And so when my husband got the job that he um, moved to Boston for, and I went to her and I said, I'm giving you a month's notice, because that's just who I am. Even though she was so horrible to me, I gave her a month's notice. And she said, why don't this be your last week? I said, why don't this be my last minute? I went downstairs, got all my stuff, and I left. I was fuming, right? Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. That's the Bible verse I was thinking of. Vengeance is mine. I didn't say a thing or do a thing. Do you know, after I left, the board began to see everything that she said that I, she had done, that I had done, because everything started falling apart. She got fired within a few, a few months. I could have never paid her back if I would try to call every board member and tell them about her. It would have made me look bad. Instead, God took care of it. And I had to let that totally go. Part of that I know was happening because I shouldn't have taken a full-time job in the first place. I'm sharing that with you because in that moment, I could have been so bitter and tried to get her back. And I could have gotten her back easily. Oh, I have story after story of how there have been times in my career and in my personal life even that I could have totally got somebody back. But I said, okay, I'm going to rise above it. I'm going to keep my brand intact. I'm not going to spend energy on that. Because what happens is when you spend energy on negative, it begins to allow negative to infiltrate your spirit and your soul. So it's not just for that moment. It begins to grow and fester. So that boss that did you wrong. Oh, I have a, a, another story about a boss that did me wrong. When I was working at Boston College with my last jobs before I quit to do this full time. My boss was being such a jerk because I only work three days a week right? Because I was trying to minimize. I knew that at some point I was going to quit. So I was trying to minimize my schedule, minimize my schedule, minimize my schedule. And he was being such a jerk about it. And I kept praying about it because the way he was acting, it was making me want to quit, but I knew I couldn't quit yet. I couldn't quit yet. I needed that extra income at the moment. This is right when I was working with my coach, by the way, I couldn't quit yet. And so literally y'all, I really want you to get this. <laughs> he got fired. 
I could never do it better. He got demoted. He didn't get fired. And my my woman that had been my ally, ally for me to take. So if I work three days a week, what? who cares what days it is? As long as my students, as long as I teach my class the same day, which never shifted. And as long as I did office hours, who cares what days they are? As long as I have office hours. The new boss I had, let me do whatever, whenever, however. Do you know I quit within two months of her starting? But I know it was a test. Do I get him back? Do I act a complete fool like he's acting? Or do I try to always say, keep my ticket to heaven? And so you've got to decide. There are things that happen to you. I believe, you know, again, I said this in part one, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's going to try to destroy your heart so that your motives come from the wrong place. And ultimately, when your motives are coming from the wrong place, you reap what you sow. So when you sow evil, evil comes back to you. When you sow good, good comes back to you. And that happens in your business as well. There are times that clients do wrong to me. Like one client who tried to take me to court. She had gone through the entire program I had. Let me keep it real. I ain't going to say nobody's names. But she, she showed up to two calls out of the 10 calls. And then at the end of it, she asked, because she, she shared with someone else, well, the program ended now. Had you asked me at the beginning, I would have easily given that program to somebody else on your team. But now the program is over. So I can't give it to anybody else. And then she tried to send it to New York, state of New York to sue me. Baby, I had every receipt, every email she sent, everything. And the lawyer said, wow, I don't know why she thinks she has a case. I said, neither do I. I'd never heard from them. But I didn't call her. I didn't try to do evil. I didn't, Right. And I'm sharing these stories with you because I really want you to think about what happens when you allow allow things in your life to make you bitter. Either you learn the lesson and you become better or you stay stuck in it and it festers in your heart and it shifts who you be. And ultimately, when you die, you can't say, well, God, so-and-so did this to me and such and such did this to me. God's not looking at any of that. He's checking how are you allowing that to shift who you be? Why do you want it? And why did you do this? And why are you being who you be? And why? So I want you to check your heart as we talk about the second part. See, John White, a Christian psychologist, wrote this in an article. He said, many child ring theories assume that children come into the world as clean slates for, for their parents to write on it, write on that clean slate, right? If parents write what they ought to write, they will produce well-adjusted, outgoing, morally adjusted, and self-reliant children. So if that's the case, we all come here with a clean slate. And And then what happens is life happens. People do things to us. We have experiences, good and bad. And in the moment of having bad things, we've got to stop and allow ourselves to do as Matthew 6, says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. You know, my clients know I talk about the concept be, do, have, and we focus on what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to grow my business? But we also focus on what do I need to do to this person because they did this thing to me instead of stopping and sitting in your being. See, when you sit in your being, you can check your heart. See, we're human. As long as we're in this flesh, we're going to be hurt. We're going to be offended. But check your heart and look at the motive behind why you want to do the thing that you are getting ready to do. And then you can look at the repercussions from that thing. Whether that thing is to hire a coach to grow your business, whether that thing is to get someone back for how they treated you as you were growing your business or whatever that is in between. Okay. Now, I also want to check in on your why in regards to personal fulfillment. Okay. Because I know there are so many things that you want. That should be a gift of all the good things you do. So like taking vacations or generating more revenue. See, those are not wrong in themselves, but motivation becomes an issue when we're not honest with ourselves about why we're doing things. When we give the outward appearance of obeying God, but our hearts are hard and God knows it. We're deceiving ourselves and others too. The only way we can operate operate from pure motives is when we, as Galatians 5.25 says, walk in the spirit. It means we are submitting ourselves to God. So I want you to keep in mind the root word for sub means under. So submission means under God's mission. So if if we start our businesses and really live our lives under God's mission, then our desire is to please him and not ourselves. So our flesh is what makes us want to get back at people or be seen or uh, increase our, our, our influence. And be so, look, I said this in part one, Facebook famous and broke. 
Oh, you can have people that know you, but how is that moving the kingdom forward? You can have an increase in your bank account, but how is that moving the kingdom forward? Again, more money, more purpose for me, right? Or do you really want to increase your impact to do more uh, for God? So I want you to check this morning on where might you be understanding the importance of your heart or where might you be underestimating the importance of your heart? So I want to just have a conversation with checking your heart and checking your motives and anything that you see, questions, thoughts, insight around your motives of why do you want it? And when I say it, I'm talking about starting your business, of course, when you're with me or getting clear on what your purpose is or, or really those of you that want to make more income, why do you want it? What's going to be the fruit of that labor that you put in to get to it? What is that going to produce, not just for you, but all the people that God has connected to you? So with that, if you want to um, share, please raise your hand. We'll bring you up. And in the meantime, good morning, Miss Yolanda. Good morning. My name is Yolanda, and I help women entrepreneurs take the hassle out of their hustle so they can make more money and have more free time. I did not want to interrupt you because... I wanted to read it in entirety. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, and so I, I wanted to say that, but I was, it's so weird. Um, I was listening to watching last night after I got off my interview. And <clears throat> this morning I was studying and the past series you just finished up was all about purpose. Purpose is what you do, but faith is why you do it. Okay. And so you're talking right now about the heart and how the heart can get you in trouble. Your emotions, emotions change. Your emotions should never be what leads you. Your emotions are usually reactive. And anytime that we're reacting to things, um, nine times out of 10, it's, it's not good because you're not thinking about things. You're just doing it out of emotion. Just like money can't be your prime motivation because money is a number. And, and if you've if you've ever heard me say anything, uh, the accountant in me says money is a number and money is numbers are infinite. You will always be chasing things. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to chase anything. I like to play tag. I'm it for a while and you it for a while. Let's go back and forth. But at the end of the day, your why the faith that that Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. And if you read it in, um, and I don't, again, I don't know which version, because I, I was reading it so many different ways. It said that it is faith is confidence and confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's God. We have confidence in him. We are assured that he exists. We cannot see him, but we know he is there and we believe in him. It's about our relationship with him. So faith and action is all about trust. You know, Hebrews 11 goes on to list the whole hall of faith. They don't have a, a hall of fame. They don't have a hall of wealth. There's a hall of faith. And it goes to show that we need to be acting because we know about the promises that he has made with us. We need to be in covenant with him. And so you, you got to check your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? If it's not to bring glory to his kingdom, if it's not because you're using the gift that he gave you, then why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you trust him? Because when you trust him, trust brings about obedience. And we all know obedience is greater than sacrifice. So if you're doing what you do because you trust God, you trust that he gave it to you, you trust that you're supposed to be doing it for his kingdom, then everything else is going to come from it. No matter what that, that, that if, if it's money, if it's gifts, if it's fulfillment, if it's peace of mind, whatever it is, is going to come from that. Is there anything else that we should be equally or more faithful to than God? So that's, I just want to say, it's not about fame. It's more about influence. It's not about sales. It's more about service. The Bible says, go out and convert the souls. That's our job.
And when you when you when you use your gift from that aspect, nothing but good can come from it. But all those other things are fleeting. That's it. So good, so good. Look, I'm trying to look in my um, study Bible, this Romans real quick. But listen, y'all, you, you said so many great things, Yolanda. So first, as you see, hear me turning my study Bible, I'm going to get to it while I'm talking. So listen, first, emotions are reactive. I want you guys to really get this. When you have an emotional reaction, any action you take out of an emotion is not going to be an action that you want to stick. So I always try to calm my loins long enough to not have an emotional reaction, okay? And I, I want you to really check your emotions. So you could be feeling, as I would say, I'm feeling some kind of way. I think Yolanda, you and I have had a feeling some kind of way conversation before, right? So <laughs> some kind of way. And, and, and I, what I've noticed in my life is that the enemy uses your emotions against you. Mm-hmm. So when you have an emotional reaction, I need you to stop, breathe, sit in your being for a minute and then come back. I, you know, so I'm a child of an abusive father. Okay. So my father could go from zero to hundred. No problem. Guess what? I do too. I can't act like I don't have the abuse gene in me. So what I've had to learn in years of counseling, by the way, is when I am heated, I need to sit silent. So my husband has not met the Nicole, by the way, who I used to be, because I could cuss you out, baby. You ain't never met this Nicole, right? That I could cuss you out good. Plus, I'm from the hood. Y'all already know, right? I could, my, my, my pastor, who didn't meet the cuss out Nicole, but met the Nicole in the middle, told me that I could cut somebody up and they'd be walking down the street and they'd be bleeding and I know it, cut them up with my tongue. So I've had to really learn how to not do that. And out 9.9 times out of 10, it's emotion. So I remember this like it was yesterday. I'm laughing because my girlfriend, my best friend who I've known since ninth grade, we are in my car. We were in our 20s. Actually, we might have been in our early 30s. And we're driving. We're getting ready to go to lunch or somewhere. And we stopped to get my car washed. And this man is driving like a fool. I'm trying to get in front of me. I didn't drive any faster. I didn't drive any slower. And I still got in front of him. I wasn't trying to. Do you know he got out of his car? He knocked on my window. He rolled down his window and was yelling at me. I looked at him and I said, we're both going to get our car washed today. And I rolled the window back up and my girlfriend said, who are you? <laughs> who, what did you do with Nicole? Who are you? Because old Nicole would have got out of my car. And I'm sharing that with you is because I've had to realize in that moment that emotion is going to make a lasting thing happen that you don't want. Because if I would have got out of that car, he was way bigger than me. So trust me, it would not have ended well. And so you've got to know emotions equal a reaction. But we, what you also don't realize is your reaction has consequences. So check yourself, right? And so I love that you said chase. You got to look at what you're chasing. So I want to, uh, the word I use, uh, and I love chase, is pursue. Because, you know, I try to make everything rhyme. So you want to pursue purpose. I could say chase purpose, but I'd rather say pursue because it's just two Ps, right? Pursue purpose. When you're looking at, okay, if I'm in this car wash, I get out of this car, and I already am working, doing this work that I'm doing, by the way, when this is happening. I started thinking of if I'm on the news, that I'm, this is when I had my nonprofit working with teenage girls. And a lot of my girls, well, some of them were in gangs. So I'm telling them not to fight, but here I am doing what I tell them not to do because in that moment, my emotions got the best of me. So you've really got to check yourself because how can I explain to a baby, well, you can't get emotional, but I did. I, you can't get in people's faces, but I can. <laughs> So you've got to really check your emotions, check your why, check your motives. So here is what it says in the commentary. I didn't read this first. I'm not going to read all of it, but it's really interesting. This is 12.9. Contrary to what our culture says, again, this is the Bible commentary under Romans 12.9. Okay. Contrary to what our culture says, love is not primarily a feeling. Love is an action. Meeting the need of someone else, even at personal expense. Thus, Paul says our love for one another must be without hypocrisy. The Greek word for hypocrite was used as an actor who wore a mask. Some of the best actors and actresses I know come to church with their masks on. Come on, somebody. They fake it when people ask, how are you doing? They fake it because they're worried about the people won't love them unless they wear a mask. So to all of us, Paul says, be the kind of community where it's safe for people to take their mask off. Okay. I go on and on, but I want you to get, even with that, is when the mask comes off, who are you? It's like that whiz that's behind the curtain. Oh, he looked really influential, he, but he was puffing all that up to be seen and for people to revere him. 
instead of him being the real authentic himself, which people would have honored even more on a deeper scale. So this morning, I really want to check. I want you to really look at where your motives are. Are you trying to be seen? Are you trying to jog for position? You know, I remember um, being at, actually in my last coaching group, a woman said, oh, Nicole, you're a student. I thought you were going to be a coach. Baby, I can't see the label in my jar either. I have not yet arrived. I got to coach, be coached too, just like everybody else. And she was shocked. And I literally sat in that as a student until my coach asked me to be a coach. <laughs> but I sat in that as a student. And I'm sharing that with you because you can't ever think too highly of yourself and then be so puffed up that you forget that you are a servant of God. Ultimately, again, I say to you, if David, who they call David a man after God's own heart. David, can you learn to tend to the sheep with the king's anointing, but with a shepherd's responsibility? I asked that last night, part one. I asked that a couple of weeks ago in another conversation. I want you to really, really get this. Can you learn to tend to the sheep with the king's anointing, but with the shepherd's responsibility? Can you not think you've arrived? Can you not be so full of yourself that God has no room to grow you? Can you not be so focused on what someone did to you yesterday that you can't stay focused on your tomorrow? Yesterday is over. You can't do nothing about what they did, but you can do something about how you react to it and how it then breeds into your tomorrow. So again, I want to check in on why do you want it? Are you trying to be seen or are you trying to make transformation? Are you trying to just get paid? Are you trying to really move purpose forward? Because ultimately, yeah, you need money to move purpose forward. But if you're focused on Louis Vuitton and Gucci, I'm not saying anything's wrong with those. I have those too. But I'm not making money for that. When I have a little extra, I might treat myself as a little stewardship of my own gift and giving myself a gift first. But I steward my gift first and my money first by pouring it back into the kingdom before I pour it into myself. So why do you want it? What are your motives? That's our conversation for part one. We're going to continue to dig deeper and dig deeper as we get into the cultivation of your calling, because these pieces around the edges will stop you in your tracks from moving into God's highest and best version of who he wants you to be. My goal in our conversations week after week is to give you tools to really get in alignment. And some of that, you've got to check your motive. You've got to check what could keep you. Some of you guys, your attitude is keeping you from your next level. Some of you guys, it's your ego. And if you think yourself too highly, then let me knock you down a notch. <laughs> because the greatest gift that David shows us is how to remain humble, how to not think too highly of yourself. When I think of anybody that's been greatly used by God, especially the examples in the Bible, like Moses. Moses is pretty much Pharaoh's grandson, okay? But yet, he has to go before his grandfather and say, let my people go. You t think that is not a humbling moment and now he is representing for the slaves in the kingdom. And his grandfather's acting like he don't know him. Esther, who was queen, who could have stayed queen and not told her husband, you know, baby, I'm a Jew. Back then, Jews could never become queen. The king's right-hand man is trying to kill the Jews. Esther stands in the gap for her people. So you've got to understand, you've got to look at your motives. Why is the biggest part of where I want you to look at and dig under as we continue our conversation next week and we look at part two. So with that, I want to thank you. Um, anybody else, Yolanda, anything you want to say in closing? I just want to say real quick um, while you were naming people, think about Enoch. You know, there's not a whole lot said about him, but Enoch pleased God so much that he didn't have a physical death. You know, he, he just went to be with God. And that is eternal. That The things that we seek should be eternal. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added according to, according to it. So when, you, when you're doing what you're supposed to do for God, then remember, we serve a God of and and all. You don't have to choose. You don't have to choose between profit and something else. When you choose God first, you get it all first. And, and the best words are Nicole's words that I can use them right now is faith is not faith is about who you be. Your purpose is about what you do. When you get clear and focused and, and right-minded about who you be and then what you do and who you do it for, profit is going to come automatically. That's all. That's so good. And to add to that, I forgot to say this, this Bible verse, First Thessalonians 2, 4, which I want to encourage you. Our purpose 
is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Again, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. And so our conversation for part one of this series is to encourage you to examine the motives of your heart. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community, post it on social media, tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. Now, until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.